Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Annie, and I cannot wait to get stuck into today's story. But before I do, I want to give a quick shout out to username Candy Coonan, who left me a five-star review and beautiful comment over on the podcast app. She says, keep it coming, girl. Loving this podcast. As a mom and just as a woman in general, it's not always nice to hear the stories of other women who are going through similar situations to you or even situations you may not have been through yourself. Hearing these women's stories can really open your eyes to the struggles of others and give you a new perspective and understanding on a lot of issues. Keep it coming, Danny. Thank you so much, hun. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave that comment. And I think that's exactly what I want to do in this space is just share stories. You know, I think we all find a lot of comfort in similarity. And even if you're not going through it yourself, you might know someone who is. And it's good to even just have an understanding of what others are battling with because you never know what happens behind closed doors. Now, if you would like to do the same, you can jump on over to the podcast app, leave me a rating and a review so you can let other listeners know what they're in for. And while you're there, make sure you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Now, for today's episode, we are going to talk about relationships. And that stems from your partner to your family to friendships and perhaps how they might have changed a little bit after children. So, without further ado, let's get stuck into it. Today's mama is someone who tells it like it is, isn't afraid to speak her truth about the reality of parenting and raising her three beautiful girls, and she caused quite a heck of a lot of controversy on a slow news day when she filled up her pool with a garden hose. Welcome to the wonderful Kirsty McKenzie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I am never going to live the pool debacle <laughs> down. <laughs> First of all, for those of you who don't know about the garden hose incident, I feel like you probably need to explain that a little bit because it's actually the epitome of what's wrong with the internet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we just put our pool in at home. And I was super excited because I'd been documenting the whole process in my stories. And we'd got to that point where we're finally filling it up. So I filmed, I think it, you know, was just a boomerang or something dorky. And I filmed it and it was like, yay, we're finally filling it up. And I didn't realize that filling it up with your garden hose was so wrong. And then the next day I woke up with so many messages in my inbox of like, don't you know that it's so much quicker to fill it up when you get the water trucked in? You should have got it trucked in. Like, what were you even thinking? And I just, 
I was blown away. And so anyway, it must have just got me on one of those days. And I got on my stories and I just was like, you know, thick sarcasm, you know, like, you know, we researched it like, you know, how could we do something like this? We, you know, of course, when we do these things, when it comes to time and money, we did research and we still chose the garden hose. Like, oh my God. And um, anyway, one of the lovely writers at Kidspot um, asked me if if I minded if they wrote a story about it. And I was like, uh, sure, go for it. And their article was so funny because it was taken from the point of view of, you know, it's what's wrong with the internet? Like, yeah. who cares what a random woman in suburban Brisbane does when filling up her pool? Like, who cares? Apparently a lot of people. Apparently a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> and then it got picked up by like Yahoo 7 and I had a friend of mine tell me that she heard about it on the radio in Canberra. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, well, you know what? If this is such big news, then that's probably a good thing for the world because nothing you know, nothing huge is happening. So yeah, that's news. And it was like for a few days, I was like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> so that's, that's the story. That's the story. And yep. amazing, amazing. In I think, I just think it's hilarious how invested people get in, and it in still the most comes trivial back. things. It still comes back every now and then. Like people will, it's like how I get referenced now. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, by the way. Thanks. Now everybody knows. <laughs> Well, look, now, as interesting as your landscaping escapades are, um, that's not why we're here. We are here to talk all about relationships um, and probably even to touch on how they can change after children. Mm -hmm. So for context purposes, let's set the scene. So what were your relationships like with your family, with your husband, with your friends prior to having your three beautiful daughters? Well, everything before kids revolves around you you don't have to really put anybody else um, ahead of yourself Um, you know you work with your partner you don't necessarily put their needs first but you you work together it's sort of equal right Mm. and then you have your kids and suddenly all of that sort of changes so before kids you know we used to have this great social life we would go out all the time we didn't um have this relationship where we wholly and solely relied on each other for all of the emotional support. And, you know, we didn't have this extra pressure of sleep deprivation and all Mm. that sort of stuff. So it was just, it was like free and easy and, you know, like just like it should be prior to having kids. And, you know, the same goes for your friends. You get to see them all the time. Hey, you know, let's go catch up for a wine after work. Yes, sweet, no worries. Because I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. And then, again, you sort of have the babies. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to have your friends have babies at the same time, you can sort of work with that. But for me, I was the first one in my group of friends. We were living in Adelaide at the time. I was the first one of my group of friends to have a baby. And all of a sudden, I found myself at home with this little baby alone. Mm -hmm. And all of my friends were at work. And so... That changed friendship dynamics. I mean, as it would, you know, your your focus has changed. And then eventually they've all sort of had kids and it becomes easier in some aspects, although you sort of have to 
fitted around nap times and, you know, who's going to fall asleep in the car on the way home and can I transfer them to the cot and all this sort of (laughs) stuff. So, yeah, before kids it was just you didn't really have to think about it. You didn't have to plan it. It was just spur of the moment, spontaneous, fun, and then you have kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's ex- ex- the perfect way to explain it because I think prior to kids, your life does just revolve around you yeah. and you don't have to be, you know, I know personally I wasn't as much of a planner. You know, yes. I could just, it would get to 7 o'clock and text my friends and say, oh, if you're not doing anything, you know, want to come over for some drinks. Yeah. That does not doesn't exist no, anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> you can't because, you know, if, if you're in the position where all of your friends have kids now, you've got kids bedtime and then Mm. you know for me seven o'clock is like okay we've got all the uniforms ready for tomorrow I've got to pack lunch boxes is there a load of washing that I need to do um and then it's like okay finally it's my time to sit down I just want to sit down and watch maths or you know like something that you don't have to think about for a little while and the last thing you want to do is then go back out yeah get dressed oh god and go back out no What's funny, you know, I often joke about one of my girlfriends and I are both pregnant at the same time and we were saying you get to 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, normally pre- you know, pregnancy or pre-children and... That's when you were going out. Yes. Yeah. You'd, you'd just be starting to think about your night. Yep. Now, I'm yep. lucky if I'm awake at 10 o'clock on a yep. Saturday. I was thinking that the other day, um, I was going out weeknight, Wednesday night, and I knew I was going to have a great time because I was so excited about going and who I was going with. And then because it was me, yeah, it was you. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going with Danny uh, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> and I was so tired just thinking about going mm. out because I had to get through my day. I had to then put makeup on and get dressed, and you know, which is exciting in theory, but sometimes that's exhausting. Yep. And then I had to go out, and just the thought of it. I was like, oh my God, how did I, how did I survive the next day when, you know, we would be like going out at 10 o'clock or that's when you'd call the cab or whatever. Like my, I used to live with my dad and my sister and I would be sitting on the couch. My dad would be, you know, like old man in bed, 8.30 and um, we would get to 10 o'clock and we'd look at each other and be like, you want to go out? She's like, yeah, why not? So we'd go and get dressed, go out. We'd leave him a note on the kitchen bench that went... We went out at like 10 p.m. And that's only so that in case we didn't come back the next morning for whatever reason, he knew that we'd gone out. Like we weren't abducted. And I thought, how did I survive? Because then I'd get up and go to work the next day. Oh, (laughs) cringe. How did I do that? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. You know, this little person or people burst into your world and everything changes. Now, that's it's a lot of pressure on a, a lot of elements of your life, both physical and emotional. But I think particularly for a couple, you know, that's the biggest shift in dynamic because your life now revolves around somebody else, but it's part of part of that is having teamwork. How did you and Nathan handle that transition? So, it was a bit of a rough start for us, and I'm I don't know what it's like for other people because I don't think you sit and compare at the time. But one of the ways that we got through, you know, how do you still get everything done? Because I know a lot of people say, oh, forget the washing, forget the cleaning, it'll still be there tomorrow. But eventually you have to do it, right? Mm. Because you need clean clothes and you can't live in filth. Um, So 
we came up with a way of we would write down all the tasks that sort of need to be done. And at the time, especially like when the girls were babies, there's things that I just like they weren't a priority. I couldn't get them done. Like I'm not going to push the wheelie bin out on bin bin day with a baby strapped to my chest. And so it was just one of those things that on, that went on Nathan's list so that whatever day it was, he just knew that that was his job and he still does it now. That's his job. Um, did, did you have a physical list? Yeah, we made a list. Right. Because that's we're list people. Yeah, um, I love that. And I feel like when things – for someone like Nathan, so he's an engineer, so he likes to see structure and that works really well with him. And I'm a list person. I just like crossing things off lists. That just mm. – oh, heaven um (laughs) i wish that this was recorded as in filmed so that people could see just how much joy you got out of that comment physical feeling it's just so much joy um so we yeah we made a list and what was nathan's tasks and what were mine and what i could realistically get done in a day because Mm. there would be some days you know that you don't get to sit down or the baby sleeps on your chest all day and that's just normal and it's not every day but i could quite easily put a couple of loads in the washer and in the dryer if I had to. Or I could run around with the stick vac uh, with the baby strapped to my chest. So there were things that I could easily get done if they needed to get done. And so Nathan's list at the time was pretty long um, because, you know, in the early days, there's not a lot they can do sometimes, mm. especially if you're breastfeeding. You can't just hand that part over. So he did the other things. And as time went on... Um, I would be like, yep, yeah, I can take some of those tasks back off you now. Like I can get them done. We don't have to wait until Saturday to clean the house because there's two of us at home. I can do some of that during the week now because the baby's a little bit bigger and happy to sit and play or there's a little bit more of a routine. Um, it's not as unpredictable and chaotic as it sometimes can be in the very early days. Yeah. So delegating specific tasks worked for us it seems so clinical sometimes when you think about it but when you see it and you're overwhelmed and you're tired and you haven't slept the night before you're like okay that's that's all I have to do it's totally fine and Nathan's going to handle the rest and now you know the girls are six four and two he you know goes to work Monday to Friday and I pretty much do all the other stuff you know he still does the bins because that's gross (laughs) (laughs) naturally but like I'll do all the other stuff because I can now and I feel like Mm. you know I'm at home it's much easier for me to get all the housework done so that at least by the weekend we can enjoy some family time or whatever Mm. it is that we want to do so that sort of saved us in the early days but it did take us a little while to realize that that's what we needed to do yeah. At what point did learn. you implement that? So when Abby was about 10 weeks old, I wasn't quite right. Um, and it was actually Nathan that recognized it first. And he was like, I think we need to go to the doctor. So we went to the doctor and I don't know if it's what happens now, but you used to do a survey when mm-hmm. you'd have your six-week check. So from the six-week mark to 10 weeks – my answers had gone from being totally okay to like somebody that was not really coping very well. So Mm. I started to kind of speak to people about, you know, postnatal depression and, and, and stuff like that. And that's when I started to realize I was getting so overwhelmed with all of this stuff 
and we went, okay, well, we have to make some some changes for yeah. everybody to kind of cope with the day. Admittedly, it was two adults and a baby. So the level of mess that you have to keep up with wasn't as much. So yeah. for Nathan to handle a few of those things wasn't a huge burden for him. Now, like looking around the room that we're currently in, <laughs> it's a bit different. But that's it's not even bad. That's not even bad. <laughs> um, do you think he he would have been that open to the delegation of tasks and, and sharing that load had you not sort of gotten to the point where you've gone, hang on, there's something not quite right here. You know, if you had been pretending that everything was fine and it's okay, I can do it, do you think you would have had that conversation? I don't, we wouldn't have had the conversation mm. unless I'd reached that breaking point, I think. Um, not to say that he would have been like not not doing it, but he being at work, he just wouldn't have Yeah. He wouldn't have known. He wouldn't yeah. have realized. But there were things like um just I was just crying over everything. Mm. And he was like, oh, oh, that's not really a cry thing, but okay. And there were other things like I would get so overwhelmed and almost aggressive and just really like I couldn't contain this ball of emotion type thing and he was like whoa like who is this sort of thing yeah and I was convinced that I was like failed this baby already you know because she well she never slept which didn't help either Mm. um but I was like no it's all my fault it's me it's me it's me and he was like it's it's not it's not you like this isn't this isn't normal right like you know that this isn't normal and you know normal is obviously an interesting word too, because what is normal? But of course. it wasn't my normal. And once you get through the hormones and, you know, you get through those first few weeks and things start to settle down a bit, you think, okay, well, we shouldn't we be sort of reaching this point where you're starting to cope a little bit better? I mean, and we were so clueless, like we had no idea. But anyway, going to speak to somebody um, and have this somebody in a professional sense say to me, hang on a minute, so where you were a few weeks ago is not where you are now, made me go, oh, okay, thank God. Like, it, it's there is something okay, there is something wrong with me, which, mm. you know, it's not. But at the time I was like, okay, cool, sweet. There's something wrong with me. All right. like, And we just, we're going to fix it now. So, and luckily we did because I, I can't imagine where I would have ended up if we hadn't gone at that. Mm. So. How did you fix it? Just speaking to people. Yeah. Um, like counselling. So we decided, me and this is me and my GP at the time, um, wanted to try everything I could first before like medicating. That was just choice. Um, And it was, you know, sleep has a lot to do with it. Mm. A lot. My eldest was an awful sleeper, like awful. And I sort of was like, well, I don't really attach to being able to breastfeed as well. And I knew that there might be a possibility that I'd have if I went down the medication path or or at least I'd convinced myself um, whether that. And so I thought, okay, we're going to try everything we can first. So it was like trying to get some exercise, have a bit of sunshine and fresh air and not being cooped up in the house all day, actually seeing my friends. So some of our, um, and just sit with me and and just talking. It, it was that sort of stuff that really helped me back then. Yeah. Um, and then as time went on and I started to notice that I was feeling a little bit better, kept 
sort of kept going. Like mm-hmm. I, I was like, once I realized that I can get out of this, it was like my mindset changed as well. Like, hey, look, we can do this. We can get out of it. That's huge. That's a really big shift. And I think the the major part of that is identifying that perhaps something's not quite right. And it is really tough because, you know, after having a child, there's different emotions and feelings and differentiating that between, okay, this is normal because of my hormones. There's something a little bit more. Um, I think communication is absolutely key. And I love that you guys had that and had the ability to do that. And I think it's really important for any relationship, um, but particularly new parents. What do you and Nathan do? Bark in your relationship. This is a hard one, like Mm. a really hard one. And we still struggle with it a lot. And six and a half years in, um, we had an interesting topic in our parenting life because he's military. We've moved around a lot And with that comes the fact that you move from your family and really trusted friends. And you do always make friends along the way. And that is the beautiful thing about the military is you become fast friends. You're all used to moving around and you just skip over that initial friendship thing that you do. Like when you test the waters, you just jump straight in. And, you know, that I love that because that's totally me. Um, But it's been hard to get time out and away trial so you know we've occasionally asked friends to babysit or they've offered uh, and now that we're back in Brisbane I've got my family close and they will come and help but we have regular like date night on the couch so sometimes we just have to make the most of it what does that look like so it's usually like a Friday night and we call it like it's it's wine night because we don't drink during the week we'll get he'll get some beer I'll get some wine on a Friday night and we'll just sit and have a few drinks together We'll like, we'll pick a movie um, and just sit and watch it and have a few drinks. Or, or, you know, the other night we couldn't decide on a movie, which is not unlike us, but we just sat and talked and we just got on the conversation of, you know, like the future and 10 years down the track and, you know, where we might be and those sorts of things. So it changes, but yeah, we, we sort of have to take alone time when we can get it because Mm. it's not offered, not offered, that's not really right but it's not available to us yeah as often as you yeah. hope um, but now that the girls are getting a bit easier for people to look after them there's no baby stuff so for instance the other night we were invited across the street for some drinks so my dad came over and he just watched the football on tv and we went Perfect. across had some drinks and he's like well this is the easiest babysitting job I've ever done so it's getting easier but yeah it's been it's been difficult Mm. Really that difficult. that Friday night situation, is that an every week non-negotiable for you? It is now, I think. Yeah. Or it may be not non-negotiable, but it's the expectation. It's like, yep, sweet. We both look forward to it. I mean, unless there's, you know, I've got an event to go to or he function or something. You know, there are times when sure. we'll change it. But yeah, it's like it'll get to Friday afternoon and it'll be like, okay, it's night off cooking. And we, we work that into our budget so that we can... We've got the money to be able to go and get some takeaway and we all enjoy it and the girls look forward to it. So that's sort of become our thing, I think. I love that. I think that's actually a example of where it doesn't need to be too complicated because I think when we think date night, we assume I okay, to the movies, going out for dinner and don't get me wrong, I, I personally love those things yeah. and I think anything that you can do to reconnect with who you are as an adult and a person is ideal but 
having those little times to yourself in your own home where it's it's not complicated yeah. but it's really valuable yeah that's, that's amazing. It. Yeah. And sometimes though, as a parent, you don't want to go out. You just get to Friday oh, yeah. night and you're like, oh man, trackies <laughs> and I don't want to put any makeup on and I just want to sit. So that kind of kills two birds with one stone, I think. So, Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and it's funny again, how things have changed yeah. and, you know, the appreciation of we used to spend my drinks and going to bars and nice restaurants and you know, now it's Uber Eats yeah. because honestly, I don't want to get off the couch. And I don't, not to say that yeah. I don't still love doing that, but yeah. but it's not. You don't need to do it as often. I'm always out of the house, and I just love any opportunity to just be at home. Yeah, you know. So you appreciate things in a different way. You do. Yeah. Than what you did and, and as you get older, it's definitely yeah. Now you've talked about your dad. Um, but you've actually been really quite open about your relationship with your mother mm-hmm. on social media. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. So that's always been a bit of a volatile relationship. It's, and I'm going to preface all this with saying not every minute of every day when I was a child was bad. Mm. So of course, you know, yeah. we had our amazing times and I learned things from her and all this sort of stuff, but it's a difficult relationship. Um, I grew up feeling a lot of judgment and a lot of shame. And to this day, that affects such a deep level. um, Because I think when you're a child, that sort of stuff becomes so deeply ingrained in you. Um, Especially when it's at the hands of somebody that's love you unconditionally. Mm. Um, And I have no doubt that there's, there is maybe still love there. But it's just the other relationship sort of overshadow. Um, mm. I made the choice about four years ago, I think, uh, maybe five years ago actually, uh, to just completely distance myself, um, especially my own children. I didn't want my children to be subject to the same treatment. And I'm not sure if they would have been. It's a choice that I've made to sort of protect them. Yeah. So. How do you think that that relationship with your own mother has influenced your relationship with the girls? So I'm super aware of how I approach certain situations and it's not a bad thing. I think sometimes it's really hard to know what kind of parent you want to be. It's easy for these examples of what you definitely don't want to be and that's helped shaped, shaped me. So I'm very, very conscious of um, being accepting their individual differences, whether I like that about them or not. Because sometimes, for instance, my four-year-old, she's super stubborn and she's, she's just so headstrong. She knows exactly what she wants to do. And as a parent, that's really hard. You'd like your kids to just be agreeable and just yeah. do what you say. <laughs> but you know in the long run that they're going to grow up to be grown-ups. She is going to be an amazing woman that I have no doubt, I have no concerns with her around because she, she knows what she wants yeah. and she's going to get it. Um, and so, you know, while that doesn't suit me as a parent, sometimes I have to be aware that that's who she is. And I am my very, very hardest because sometimes you don't have all the patience in the world, but I try so hard to allow her to be that and not her down because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a fine line. It's yeah, a very fine line. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it's hard, you know, like you, 
you can't spend every day as a parent of young people thinking about what they're going to be when they're grown up. So, you know, mm. you've got it in the moment. But yeah, I think because of what I went through and how how it's affected me today, I'm aware of just that acceptance and their individuality and fostering that rather than trying them something that they're not. Yes. So I was always... Um, you know, like I'm pretty headstrong and verbal and defiant and all of those sorts of things. And when I was told to do something or not, I'd be like, but why? Because that's just who I am, you know? And yeah, I understand now that as a parent, that's mighty frustrating because (laughs) I said so is what you want to say. But I realize now how almost squashed, Mm. um, because I was not the person that I felt she wanted me to be. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm only talking about this from my situation. I idea what it's like from my mum's point of view. Mm. So, yeah, it, it really has changed or it has not changed. It's it's created this way of or style of parenting for me, I think, that I wouldn't have probably paid any mind to if it hadn't happened to me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Is um a real balance when it comes to disciplining a child and making sure that they they have those values and behaviours that we want them to have as adults, but also stifling that. And I think a lot of us can probably resonate with that. At the same time, there's a lot of things from your childhood that can really impact on you as an adult. And it's quite a huge responsibility as a parent to be shaping that for someone. Have the girls met their grandmother? Uh, my eldest did when she was six months old. Right. And that that was it. That so was it. I stopped all communication about four weeks, three or four weeks before my second was born. I just, you know, sort of blocked all forms of communication because at that point I just needed, I needed that to be out. I couldn't have all of that with me. And I was also concerned that having another baby, I would go through what I went through with Abby. Mm. So I was mentally prepared for the things to come, I suppose. And I just couldn't have that basically uh, anymore in my life. Do you feel like you're missing out? Sometimes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I see my friends um, with their mothers and their mothers are holding their newborns. And, you know, I didn't have that. But then sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, you know, I don't think I am. I'm just thinking of what what I thought I should have had and and focusing on what I actually do have because it's funny. So I'm really close with my dad. And while most of my friends were having these conception conversations and birth conversations, I was having that with my father. Oh, good on you, dad. And it's funny because he's got four daughters. So I realized there's probably not a lot that he doesn't, know about that you know and let's face it like he's helped conceive four children and he was there in their birth so he's seen it all so we talked pretty openly about you know everything like the conception one was interesting (laughs) Uh, just a casual night with dad it took us a little while to conceive abby and i was getting a bit upset and he said to me he goes you know what you need is you just need that one night and I'm like, Dad, like, <laughs> So that was that was fun. It was interesting. But no, I realized that there's this what you think you should have and like why do you think you should have it? I mean, yes, that could be the norm for other people, but if it's that's not what I'm it's not what I'm meant to have at the moment. So I 
look for it and I realize that I find it other places instead. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely times where, especially Mother's Day, I often, and this year in particular, stayed away from social media because I just knew for whatever reason that this year I was in the headspace to see all of these beautiful photos and messages to people's mums and I was like okay this is gonna this is gonna hit me I was like you know what I'm just gonna stay away from it so sometimes it still does affect me quite a bit so and I could get it from Nathan's mum and I did prior to Abby being born but she a few months before Abby was born so yeah it was I couldn't even foster it with my mother-in-law it was just done you know so and I still have my moments but for the most part now I think it is what it is you know, I think the way that you're looking at it is quite beautiful in trying to seek those opportunities elsewhere. And it's it's amazing that you have a great relationship with your dad. And I think you're right. You know, a lot of times in relationships, we put patience on whether it's a partner or friendships or, you know, family as to what we think yeah. that it should look like. Yeah. Or we sort of lust over something that we see as unattainable that's not the reality yeah so it's being being conscious of that is really important as well probably further to that is friendships now you touched on before around how friendships evolve you know prior to baby and then (laughs) post baby and I'm a huge believer with any relationship that you either grow together or you grow apart yeah yeah how friendships are now versus pre-children there's a little bit of column a and a little bit of column b like some of my friends We've just fallen into it. It's like parenting, you know, there's differences, but it, it's never been an issue. There have been other friends where it it hit me suddenly, wow, okay, this friendship is not what it used to be. And it's mm. it's because we've had children. And that's, I think that's just par for the course. That's just what happens sometimes. And yep. motherhood seems to be rifement on how you do things. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you gravitate towards those people that you just know are not going to judge you, whatever your choice might mm. be. So important. God, I just think that is that is such a huge pillar. Yeah. If you've got people around you who are judging what you do, yeah. you know, a real friend is all you want it and say, yeah, yeah, get your shit together <laughs> or I don't agree with what you're doing. But when someone doesn't voice it and then judges you, yeah. that's like poison. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because, you know, you think that, or sometimes, I don't want to make a generalization, sometimes you get caught in this way of thinking that, you know, if a breastfeeding mother, that the, the non-breastfeeding mothers are going to judge you and vice versa. Mm. Unfortunately, yeah, okay, sometimes that does happen. But, you know, for instance, I'll use an example. My best friend, we're very open with basically everything that we speak about. And she messaged me one day and she's like, you know what? It's not working. The breastfeeding's not working. Um, I've tried. She asked me, you know, okay, so what are some tips? What can I do? What did you do? And I said, give it your best shot. Um, See if it works. It might not work for you. But, and she did and really like worked hard. And in the end, she's like, you know what? Physically, it's okay. Mentally, like it's not working for me. And I was like, you know what? That's when you need to stop. That's your time. It's it's okay. Like you can you can stop breastfeeding, and you know what? You've done an awesome job. Yeah, yay! Breastfeeding's amazing. <laughs> whatever. But you know, I'm also like, whatever 
works for you. Like, you know, I'm just pro do whatever you want. Do what you can do what you can do. If you're mentally falling apart, then what good are you? What good is it to push through? So, you know, we, so my friend and I are totally different, but there's no judgment there. She's said to me once, She's like, I don't know how you're still breastfeeding after two years. I don't know how I am either. (laughs) But it's not like, it's just that's her thing and that's my thing and it's, it's okay. Like, like, you know, we're best friends and you can coexist. It's just the judgment thing. You don't have to hold on to old friends just because they're old friends because sometimes it does change or you could go, you know what? I just won't see you when the kids are around. We're just going to go and have girls where we'll rekindle our friendship or keep that going or keep the flame alive. (laughs) But you don't have – it doesn't have to be all playdates. It just doesn't work. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I I was thinking about this prior to coming and having a conversation with you. And you think about high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Got a girlfriend who is still best friends with her group from high school and I love that for her that's just not what happened you know we we grew apart we went in different directions it's okay because you know I hope that they're off having a great life and living their best life but we just you know potentially we'd connect now and have a friendship but we didn't at the time yeah and that's okay and I think there's a difference between keeping friendships because you've always had them to realizing that it's a two-way street too if, yeah. you, if I'm going to invest in you, I need you to invest in me. Yeah. You know, shit, we're all busy. It's, right. You've got to be conscious about where you invest your time. That's exactly right because your time is so taken. These little people who are so important and that's where your time should arguably be going. They are so important and they're little for such a short time. And you can't be, if, if a relationship is causing you grief, then it's okay to kind of, you know, step back from that. Mm. And that's a huge turn with my mother because you, I tried and tried and tried. And at one point I, you know, set up rules and boundaries of what we're allowed to talk about and not talk about when my mother and I would see each other. And I eventually got to that point where I was like, you know what, it doesn't matter that you're my mother. You'll always be my mother and I will always love you. But right now, have these huge little priorities you know these three little priorities so it doesn't if a relationship is causing you stress or drama it's okay to pull back it doesn't mean that you can't rekindle that down the track or yes. it might just be you're both going through something and you know you don't have it in you to deal with each other's emotional eggs yeah <laughs> as, <well>, um, <laughs> as your own so yeah it, it just sort of go with the flow like you can't force it you've just kind of Take it as it as it is or for what it is. If you're getting something out of it, then great. But if you're coming away feeling drained all the time or like you're always on guard, then maybe it's not the situation you should be in. Maybe? Absolutely. How do you think you differentiate though between going, is it me at this point in time or is it the other person? That's a really hard one because it's mm. really hard to see yourself. Absolutely. So it's easy to place the blame on other people. Natural reaction. Right, absolutely. Um, And I'll use myself as the example. Recently, I've had a bit of an up and down time. And I noticed that there were certain interactions that I was having with certain people in my life. And I took a step back and I went, oh, I'm the common denominator here. Mm. And when I stopped it, I was like, oh, okay, It's, it's me. Um, like I need to go back and get some help now. So I started going back 
and seeing a psychologist to just get a a gauge or a grasp or just try and get back on top of like me and what I'm feeling. And it's really hard to see it when it is yourself and it's harder to accept. Oh, definitely. could potentially be you. Um, but I'm also a big believer in, you know, if you fuck up, then you would, you admit you fuck up. You say, mm. look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, that's really hard. And you feel like a bit of an idiot when you have to make yourself vulnerable like that. But I'm also, you know, for instance, if you've, if something's happened with another person, a member of your family and they come to you and they say, listen, that was me. Sweet water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes so much for someone to recognize that maybe they've done something that wasn't quite off board and they've apologized to you. And I'm always like, give them the benefit of the doubt, basically. So it, yeah, it kind of goes both ways. It's, it, does suck with that you've been the one that's messed up and you've apologized and it's been blocked that that really sucks yeah so yeah it's it is a bit of a confronting oh definitely I think even allowing yourself to be that vulnerable in self-reflection to you've made a mistake mm-hmm. is really tough but it it's also tough to realize hang on a minute this this isn't me you know I've, yeah I've given a lot yeah um it's not reciprocated or I'm not getting what I need from this. And that realism and vulnerability and reflection is where you can either salvage a relationship or you potentially, it's an opportunity to let it go. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to really, you know, take some time to sit and really, really think about it. Mm. Um, What you're willing to go through and what you're willing to feel in that moment to save a friendship or a relationship um, sometimes you might not be ready for that yet. It yeah. might be like, you know what? I am dealing with a lot of my own stuff. I need, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not ready for that yet. And mm-hmm. you just, you sort of, well, you just have to bite the bullet. Well, I'm doing this for myself. If that means that that relationship is ended. Okay. Well, that's just what has to be done right now. There might be a chance down the track, you know, because you also don't know what that other person's going through. Of course. Yeah. Um, even as close as you are with somebody really knows the depth of what they're feeling um, they will know what you tell them, but nobody truly knows the depth of what's going on inside somebody. You know, vulnerability sucks. <laughs> it does, it but sucks. it's it's worth it. It can be just admitting what's going on, like just what's really going on, opening up, being honest. And you can be honest being confrontational or brutal or, you know, you can be honest and gentle and and talk about what hurting someone's feelings Mm. Uh, although sometimes in these situations feelings are going to get hurt regardless but you just you have to do you just have to just let it happen like just be vulnerable deal with the the vulnerability hangover is a term that (laughs) I've learned recently so yeah it it sucks but I think you've raised a great point and I I was going to ask you for advice and I think that you've actually just answered that because you know there's different ways of looking at it now obviously relationship with yourself is very important and god we could talk for a whole nother hour on that so I'm not going to go that that deep down that track but um, one thing that I am a huge advocate for is making sure that you do take time to reconnect with the person that you were before children and and reconnect with yourself let them be before mummy what is it that Kirsty does to reconnect with herself pre-children. I put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> I thought you might have. I've been listening to your other podcasts and I've been like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, what it's do coming. I do? <laughs> um, I've, I think what I do is 
communicate. And that might sound really weird because it's not going out to the gym. I am and always have been social and communicating with people and just talking and being around people was just something that I loved. And I just thrived off that when I was younger. Um, enjoyed going to work, seeing my friends and, and, and talking to them about what we did on the weekend and then seeing my other friends on the weekend. And, you know, I realized things that I really lost um, when I was in the depths of, of the baby days. Yeah. So I love storytelling and I feel like that was my way of being social and telling my story, telling my silly jokes or telling my real deep and meaningful things to people feel like that's still what I do. I mean, and I still go out occasionally and I'll see my girlfriends and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I really struggle, but I think ultimately that's what makes me feel like me is writing or creating something or just some form of communication, whether it be, you know, verbal or the written word or creating a Photoshop and telling a story. It's that sort of thing. It's that sort of communication. Yeah. I think is my thing. I love that. I think that's good though. It's it's really that's the way that you reconnect with yeah. because it is so easy to get caught up in telling other people's stories in the sense that you've got kids who, you know, you have a conversation and you're talking about the fact that Hannah went to the potty by herself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's your story is no longer your own. So yeah. if you can find a way to reconnect with that, yeah. I think that's just magic. Let's think. I've spent a few weeks pondering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And then I thought, what, what do I do? I'm doing what makes me feel like sitting across from you, talking to you makes, this is me. Yeah. Like this is when I feel, it's going to sound really corny, but alive. Like this is what I love doing. Oh, Just bad. storytelling and laughing and joking and that sort of thing. So it, I think, yeah, it's definitely that communication. I think that's my thing. I love that. And I love that you've been thinking about me for the past few weeks. That's amazing. I wanted to get it right. <laughs> Thank you so much to the beautiful Kirsty McKenzie for joining me today and talking about all things relationships. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. But thank you again thank so much you. for joining me. Thanks. I honestly think this is a topic that we could have spoken about for hours and I think that everybody has a different view when it comes to relationships and I guess setting those expectations but uh, the things that I learned from the conversation with Kirsty was that when it comes to your partner it's important to be conscious that your relationship will evolve. But the best way to stick together and to work as a team is to be open and to communicate. Share your feelings and be realistic about your struggles because it's not easy. It's not easy as new mums adapting to this little person demanding all of your time, but it's also not that easy for dads either because they don't really know how to help sometimes, particularly if you're breastfeeding. So just be open and communicate. When it comes to setting those expectations with your partner, Kirsty recommends making a list. Delegate jobs and chores to eliminate confusion and even out the workload. Then you both know where you stand, you're on the same page, and there's less cause for arguments. When it comes to your family, the relationship with your own parents doesn't need to dictate the ones that you have with your children. You may feel jealousy or envy of someone else who has seemingly the perfect relationship with their family, but remember that it can be fostered elsewhere. 
Making sure that you learn from the so-called mistakes of your parents is important when it comes to parenting your own children, but it doesn't have to influence your actions going forward. When it comes to friendship, a good friendship is one that does not involve judgment. And this is massive for me. I think it's super important as a friend to call someone out if you think that they're not doing the right thing or if they're not doing the best thing by themselves or somebody else, but it's important to approach that without judgment. We are all individual. We go through things at different times. We experience different challenges and different struggles and we celebrate success differently. That doesn't mean it has to influence our friendships. You can be happy for somebody and support somebody even if you don't necessarily think that what they're doing is something that you would do for yourself. So eliminate the judgment, that is key. Now you don't have to hold on to old friendships, as Kirsty said, if they aren't serving you. Just because you've had a friendship for an extended period of time doesn't mean you have to continue investing in it if it's not bringing out the best in both of you. Remember that friendships are a two-way street. You want someone to invest in you just as you will invest in them. So it's something to be cautious of. Now, when it comes to any friendship decision, it's not about making sure that you're up in each other's grill 24-7. You know, we're all busy, but being around for the important things and making sure that you're there to support when it's needed is absolutely key. Now, if you would like to follow more of Kirsty's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at, at Kirsty McKenzie. I will pop her details in the show notes. And you can also find a link to her blog and where to purchase her wonderful children's book, Lucinda and the Monsters. Now, before we wrap up today, I want to give a quick shout out to at Stylist AU, who is making her second appearance on the Me Before Mummy segment. She has tagged me in a post with the hashtag the Me Before Mummy, outlining how she is treating herself to a retreat yourself box, getting herself a few little goodies each month that's just for her to make her feel a little bit special. Well done, Mama. There ain't nothing wrong with treating yourself. Now, if you would like to do the same, you can jump on over to Instagram and use the hashtag TheMeBeforeMummy and tag myself at MummyRepublic in a post or a story showing me and other mamas what it is that you do to reconnect with yourself or those little things that you do to give yourself a bit of time back, just like you used to do prior to having kids. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath Take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.